On this week's show, it's Tuesday, and there are still three seconds remaining in Saturday's XFL contest between the Houston Roughnecks and the Seattle Dragons. Also, the Senior Bowl is getting a new home venue for the first time since 1951. In this week's two-minute history lesson, we tell the story of the Little Brown Jug, the first college football trophy game. That and much more this week in the world of football. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode 135 for March 10th, 2020. I'm your host, Randy Snow, and across the table for me, as always, is my son, Adam. It's just the coronavirus's world, and we're all just living in it, apparently. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, we come to you each week from the World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. By covering all aspects of the football world, we're able to offer you, our listeners, a unique assortment of football-related news, stories, and information that you just won't find anywhere else. From the NFL to the CFL to the XFL, college, high school, and indoor football, we inform and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also connect with us on our Facebook and Twitter pages at TWOF Kalamazoo or send us an email. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. So let's review what happened this past week, starting with Adam and the World of Football scoreboard. That is correct. It is week five of the XFL season. We're halfway there, said Bon Jovi. <laughs> uh, Houston played Seattle on Saturday in a game that would turn out to be uh, quite the uh, quite the talking point as the Roughnecks defeated the Dragons 32-23. to Seattle had an early 14-0 lead and looked awesome doing it. Uh, but... Those Roughnecks did what the Roughnecks do, and that's uh, climb back into the game, making it 14-14 going into the half. And uh, the second half was uh, just as entertaining, if not more entertaining, than the first and came down to the controversial play at the end of the game with yeah. the Roughnecks trying to you know, run out the clock. And instead, the ball was kneeled down you know, on fourth down and long, right. uh, leaving two seconds on the clock. But the game clock operator, it just kept going down to – to zero and they just called the game and we're all sitting there waiting for well there should be a review any second now right right yeah and we're still waiting it's tuesday <laughs> yep. and two seconds should still be on the clock uh in we in kind of the aftermath because we were both looking at each other just like they're not just gonna let it end like this are yeah, they we, like i thought there was at least one second left on the clock i've heard two i've heard three seconds but the because the, the i mean it's, it was a nine point game but obviously in the xfl sure the opportunity to score those nine points was right there for right. the Dragons at right. the, I believe they were around the 20-yard line of Houston. So they were deep within Houston territory. They were within touchdown striking distance, yeah. no problem. They could have maybe made this way more interesting, or it could have just been a one play and done, you know, yeah. thrown out of bounds or an incomplete pass or something. But the yeah. fact that we didn't get that opportunity really grinds my gears a little bit. And I was really upset with the XFL. This is definitely the one Big negative so far of the XFL that I had had. I had never been that mad all XFL season like at anything they had done. But this, I felt, and the moment was handled poorly. But it was followed up by a statement during the second game, which I don't know if you want to read the statement now or yeah, what. Yeah, uh, I, can, I can read that. Yeah, what, what are the parts of the but, statement? I mean, this, this situation is exactly what the CFL was trying to avoid. I mean, by giving a, a team an op. Or, yeah, I'm sorry, the XFL. Uh, the CFL but, wouldn't let this happen either. <laughs> By by giving a team an opportunity to score nine points uh, on a play, you know, a, a touchdown plus a three-point conversion. And so here was the perfect opportunity uh, to do just that. You had a few seconds on the clock. You could have thrown a long pass, maybe completed a touchdown, and gone for three. Could have, you know, had a tie. We could have had our first overtime. Right. But be, and not because of the coaches or the, the teams or anything. It was the, the replay guy that failed to uh, – to review that and look at the look at the time and and say yeah w you've got time for one more one more play, so yeah they released a statement uh, that evening it said Saturday's Seattle Dragons Houston Roughnecks game should have ended uh, should not have ended as it did players showed clearly that I'm sorry 
Replays showed clearly that the knee of Houston quarterback P.J. Walker touched the field, rendering him down and the fourth down play officially completed, with approximately two seconds remaining on the clock, effectively turning the ball over to Seattle on downs. With a nine-point differential in the score, Seattle was denied an opportunity to tie the game. The XFL sincerely regrets this error. In addition, Wes Booker, who served as the officiating supervisor for Saturday's game, has been reassigned. Okay, also, I want to make note, you made me in the intro say three seconds. I wanted to say the two seconds, and it's right there in the statement. Two seconds remaining. When they showed it uh, on on TV, TV, they also said two seconds. They said three seconds. No. They thought at first three seconds, but it was two seconds. The statement said two seconds. I was right. I want that written under the records, please. Um, but also the yeah, fact I'm writing that down. Yeah, but also the fact that the announcers during the game were just blasting the yeah. XFL for this. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, pointing out all the players are right there on the field still. Still, yep. everybody's still all the dressed. Stadium. Nobody's in the locker rooms. The only people that ran to the locker rooms were the referees right off the bat, as yep. if they were told. Yeah, we're just gonna hurry up and get just get out of here, you three. Like, mm. or however many people are on the officiating crew. I saw three of them running into the locker room, but it's ridiculous. Everybody's right there in the stadium. They could have easily brought everybody back and fixed this whole mess. Made an announcement sure. to the crowd. You know, maybe there would have been a couple people who were already in the parking lot. Like, wait, what? They yeah. what happened? We're, we've we're, had that happen to us before, where we've left a football game a little early, not oh, yeah. thinking that anything was going to happen, and we missed some crazy the greatest comeback ever. Well, well, not the greatest comeback ever. We never missed that, <laughs> but we've missed some crazy like what sure. they went up and scored. Yeah. So I know this was a bad look for the XFL, but I mean they kind of I won't say they, they owned, saved it. They, they owned, owned up, up to it. it in a way that a league like the NFL I have never seen own up to a mistake yeah. like this and quickly this was in the middle of the second game mm. that day that they came out with this announcement so you know I give them props for that and I know social media was also uh lambasting them at first and then when the statement came out it definitely 180 and said hey look at least they did what the NFL didn't do and owned up to their mistake right. so uh kind of you know instead of having a thumbs up or, or a thumbs down my thumbs kind of in between <laughs> Yeah, it, it definitely made him look bad. Um, everybody that was watching the game, uh, and especially, like you said, the announcers, they all knew that there there should have been time at least for one more play. I mean, give them that chance. That's that's, that's all we want. That's why you have nine points available on them. And that's all I asked for in a lot of football. Like, I remember in the playoffs, I wanted Seattle to get one more chance, you know, yep. to, to do something. In the re- and I think they blew a, a call and, and made the wrong call. And it's just the, – it, I'm not saying it would have changed the game itself. Like it would probably still would have been a rough next victory, but give the Dragons an opportunity to at right. least you know tie it up. If that's yep. the whole reason you have the nine, like you pointed out, which was a good point. That's the whole reason you have the nine point play, because now this adds a whole new dimension sure. of it. Like if it was a regular NFL game and it was nine points, we'd all be saying. Well, yeah. uh, there'd be no time left. You'd, you'd only over. be able to get eight points. Yeah. It's over. Who cares if they get one more play? They they can't score enough points to win, so whatever. But this was not that case. Yeah. And so a great point by you. And, uh, yeah, very frustrating to see, but at least they owned up to it. And I'm curious to see because their end-of-game timing rules are very odd. And the way that yeah. that all shook out made it interesting, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if uh, we get anywhere near – you know that again, and like I said, halfway through, and we still haven't gotten that overtime game. Dang it, we were so close. Yeah, yeah, I would like to see how the overtime works. I mean, I know how yeah. it works, but I want to see it in action. Yep. All right, enough on that game. Let's move on to the second game of the weekend, where my New York Guardians defeated the Dallas Renegades thirty to twelve. This game was a little bit of a snoozer in the first half, six to six, but then the New York Guardians turned it up. Austin Walter with a ninety-seven yard kickoff return for a touchdown for Dallas which would be their only highlight of the second half and it was mainly that New York Guardians defense which just got all over the Renegades uh, I believe they had two interceptions one return for a touchdown they had another sack uh, man it was just that Guardians defense came to play it was their first road win of the season for New York and for Dallas you know uh, another loss and Dallas we thought might have been a little better but that backup quarterback is just not Getting it, getting it done, and, and mm-hmm. Dallas has got some guys on that team I really like. That's all I got. Oh, you said it was the first road game, but it was their first road road win. win that's what I meant. Yeah. For New York's first road win. They are, uh, they lost two in a row on the road. Uh, they've won three at home, and this is their first, 
or two at home, and now this is their first road win. My okay. bad. Go okay. Guardians. Okay. And then you wrote down that the attendance for this game was yeah no, thirty four thousand yeah, question mark. No, no, I was I heard that on the news, uh, and maybe they were talking about next week's uh, one of the games next week. But uh, the attendance for last week's game, let's see which game we talking about in New York. Dallas, and Dallas New York. Uh, they had fifteen thousand uh, nine hundred fifty at that game. Yeah, I don't know. I wrote that down. Yours. Yeah, I heard it. I heard somebody say that on the on the broadcast. And I thought well, I just made a note of it, thinking, well, I'll, I'll look that up later. But I forgot to take that out of the rundown. But yeah, no. we'll we'll cover some of the attendance. Uh, yeah, we've got some minute. stats on that here in a bit. Uh, the D.C. Defenders on Sunday defeated the St. Louis Battlehawks 15-6. to uh, This game was also tied 6-6 to going into halftime. Uh, quarterback Tyree Jackson replaced Cardell Jones for the D.C. Defenders and led them to a win. D.C. also converted 250-plus yard field goals in the game to remain undefeated at home. Uh, and the big highlight from this game for me is, of course, the beer snake. <laughs> the beer cup snake. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was sending that picture to everybody I knew. This is one of the greatest uh, moments in sports history, seeing that uh, beer cup snake, you know, making its way from the bottom of the stands to the top. Mm-hmm. It's an American treasure. It should be in the Pro <laughs> Football Hall of Fame. And I can only wish to someday uh, uh, cast my empty beer cup into the <clears throat> beer snake. Well, I thought that the, I mean we'd seen this a week or so ago at another XFL game. It was, it was game. like one of the first XFL games they did this. Yeah, I think it was the same one in, in uh, DC. They did. It the might have been snake. that their first home game. Yeah, but um, I, I saw another thing on Twitter yesterday that showed uh, that this has been somewhat of a tradition up in the CFL hmm. for years because I, I retweeted a picture of a beer snake at a Winnipeg Blue Bombers game, and I I never really noticed it. At, I mean the if it was going on, the it definitely didn't make the headlines like this. Yeah, I, no, they they are probably doing it up there, but the announcers at these games, you know, aren't making a big deal out of it. These guys in the states are making a big deal out of this, so that's why it's getting all the attention. But it's it's nothing new. It's been going on in the CFL. Just another thing the CFL did before everybody else, and they probably did it better. I don't know. I feel like the XFL nailed it. Uh, <laughs> those fans in DC were very drunk and very dedicated mm. to that beer snake, and just. I don't know if I could actually, like, I'll give you my beer cup. I don't know if I could stand there for most of the game yeah. holding. Holding other people's empty many, beer cups. Like, you'd have to, like, every five feet or so, you got somebody holding a different part of the of the beer cup. And, man, I feel like that would just get old after a while. Maybe yeah. you got to trade off. Like, hey, bud, i got to go to the bathroom. Hold the beer snake yeah, for really. me, will you? <laughs> I drank five Instead beers. Instead of hold and... my beer, it's hold my beer snake. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah. I think I came up with the phrase, uh, uh, th- those guys must be uh, well, the, there's beer one... snake wranglers or, no, or what handlers, beer handlers. The snake handlers. Snake handlers, yeah. They're the snake but handlers. But they had a guy at like the bottom in a captain's uniform or something. It was just utterly ridiculous. <laughs> hey, guy they were having fun, they and were. that's what you have. That's all I care that's about. That's what you expect at a football game is to have some fun. But, yeah, you, uh, where's David Baker at? We need to get that beer snake put into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, the commissioner of the the uh, uh, XFL yeah. was there. Um, um Oliver Luck. Oliver Luck, yes. Yeah. He contributed a cup. He walked along the sidelines waving an empty beer cup, and he handed it there to be he, added. But he the, handed it to the, to the, the bottom. Show. you got to take that sucker to the top. Like, unless, I don't know, you unless he wants his cup to be the, the very bottom <laughs> I cup. Don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. know. But it was still fun, and I'm glad yeah. that they had that kind of fun. Yeah. All right. And lastly, a game that I caught only the kickoff and maybe a, a couple of drives for, the L.A. Wildcats defeated the Tampa Bay Vipers 41-34. to this was a 9 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, which, you know, was a little weird. It's the latest game they've had in the yeah. CFL so far. Or the CFL, XFL so far. You're rubbing off on me. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay was up 17 to nothing in the second quarter before L.A. even got on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. And Tampa even had a 24-20 lead at halftime before blowing it in the second half to the Wildcats, who I think are still – uh, a sneaky good team, and I even these Vipers are a sneaky good team. Yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. I thought the Vipers were gonna uh, have a game like they had the week before, where they just ran, ran, ran. They had two guys over a hundred yards, yards rushing, week, yeah. and uh, I thought they were just gonna take control of this game. And they led and, the league. They've led the league in rushing too, with, with the worst record in the league. Yeah, and and they started out that way, but uh, and I didn't see the second half either. Uh, I that was way past my bedtime, but. Uh, I, I saw a lot of the highlights in the second half, and it looked like a really, really good game where it was just back and forth, back and forth. And and uh, I think the um, uh, the quarterback for um, uh, the Vipers, Cornelius, uh, he had a couple of interceptions, and I think that was kind of the turning point of the game. They were they were mm-hmm. making drives, they were you know keeping the ball and whatever, and and you know he, an untimely interception really killed it. And 
uh, allowed L.A. to to come up with a win. Yeah, so as we look at the XFL standings now, after halfway through the season, uh, in the East, you got the D.C. Defenders at the top in a three-way quote-unquote tie, but uh, I believe D.C. does hold some tiebreakers because they beat both St. Louis and New York. Mm. Uh, All these teams are at three and two. St. Louis follows in second place, followed by New York. Then in last place, Tampa Bay with a one and four record. So to have a quote unquote three way tie at three and two in the East, it's very interesting. I'm loving the parody in this league. But then uh, you go and look over at the West side. Yeah, where you've got Houston at five and zero, oh, uh, running away with this season. Uh, Dallas and L.A. behind them at two and three, not even a winning record there. And then Seattle at one and four. Uh, you know, it looked like in the early weeks that St. Louis was the team to beat in the East. Uh, they were the ones that. Uh, had the best record and whatnot. I think and they're, now they, they're now they're in a three-way tie. But I think that St. Louis at home will definitely be. Uh, oh yeah, that that'll help them out a lot. They are sure. a very very good home team. Yes, they're the only dome team, but just seeing the way their fans kind of energize that team mm-hmm. and it, it like we've seen it the last two weeks and it was awesome to watch them kind of be the greatest show on the XFL turf. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, then they go to uh, DC this week and. You know, kind of. I won't say they laid an egg, but yeah, they, they just they just couldn't get anything didn't play done. Real well, yeah. It looked very uncharacteristic, like a, a St. Louis yeah. team. They they did not show up for that game. But yeah, so we'll see. It's still anybody's league. I'd like to see Tampa Bay and Seattle kind of get things turned around the second half of the season. Maybe make it a little more interesting. Yeah. Uh, looking at some XFL stat leaders, uh, we've got quarterback PJ Walker for Houston. He led. How the good league. is he? Uh, yeah, he's really good. Oh man, he was twenty-seven of thirty-eight for three hundred and fifty-one yards and three touchdowns in his game. Do you think that he could make it onto an NFL roster? I don't Do see think, why. I don't see why not. I think uh, somebody uh, will give him a shot in training camp. Of I hope so. I think he definitely has what it takes to get at least a backup job somewhere in the NFL. I, I'd say he's got to be better than a third stringer. But again, he's playing against a bunch of people who would be sure. third stringers, maybe in the sure. NFL. Uh, but, but but he is he's definitely very talented. From, from I like what I see from him. Yeah, and then you've got uh, running back Jarrell Presley for the DC team. He rushed 15 times for 170, or I'm sorry, 107 yards. Um, unfortunately, no touchdown. For, oh, but he did. He, they had a good running back tandem, though, in mm-hmm. D.C. They were both running the ball real well. They were just finding open holes. And it was kind of a running uh, matchup between them and the Battle Hawks all game long. Mm-hmm. So to, to see, you know, uh, Presley come out with kind of the rushing, I won't say record for the week, but as the leader for this week uh, was very uh, impressive. Yeah. And as far as uh, wide receivers, it was Cam Phillips again uh, for Houston. He had 10 receptions for 122 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, after being held to, what, one catch for like nine yards last week, mm-hmm. uh, he definitely bounced back. And, oh, boy, this Cam Phillips, when he's on and when you know you give him an inch, yeah. he'll take it 100 yards. Yeah, Phillips, the combination of, of P.J. Walker to Cam Phillips is, is quite a, a great combination there for the XFL and for Houston. Okay, we're going to move on to some uh, other leagues that started up this week. The Indoor Football League kicked off their season with a couple of games. On Saturday, it was the Quad City Steamwheelers over the Cedar Rapids River Kings, 54-39. to And in the Sunday game, it was the San Diego Strike Force over the Bismarck Bucks, 50-36. to One other league that started up, and I did not even know about this, uh, the American Arena League. They do not even have a website anymore. I tried. Yeah, you looking were up, complaining about I tried this. looking up their website. I know what the address is supposed to be, and nothing p- pops up. Um, they don't have much of a, a Twitter or a Facebook presence. A social media presence. Yeah, I mean, this, the stuff that they had out there went back to the championship game of last year, so there's been nothing in the offseason. The only reason that I knew about their, their season starting uh, last Friday night was because I do follow the West Michigan Ironman. They're from Muskegon, Michigan, and we've been to some games up there before. Not Well, I've been to an Ironman game. I haven't been. You've been there for other league games when they had a team in different various leagues. But uh, Friday night was the league opener, and it was the Music City Fire over the West Michigan Ironman, Ironman uh, 47 to 37. And all I'm going to say about this league is I'm going to follow the West Michigan team, but we're not going to follow this league on our podcast because it's just too difficult to try and track down all the scores and everything. But, yeah, the American Arena League is playing. Without a website, what kind of a league are you really? Come on. Let's let's get with the program. He would be following you even if your website didn't work, if you all played in bikinis like the Lingerie <laughs> League did. For some reason, he'd follow them uh, till 
till he was blue in the face. We, but we did not uh, have their scores either because they didn't uh, publish them on a weekly basis. But you kept so. talking about it like, oh, we're going to talk about this. I just wanted to go see a game. Nope, so you're putting, okay, that's it. I'm sorry. The American <laughs> Arena League's going on that board off to the side, that shelf. We said we wouldn't talk about those leagues. Put it over there. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it. Put it over there with the Laundry Football League or the Legends Football League, whatever they call uh, it. It's now the X League. Well, get that sits over <laughs> there, and so does this American Arena League. It's going to sit over there, collect some dust, and then we'll pitch it in a, a month. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about it no, during will the playoffs. It's on the shelf. But we will let you know who they're champion is. It's never coming is. back. No. But I yeah, refuse. Very, very disappointed in the American Arena League. Done. Talk. It doesn't exist. <laughs> get rid of it. Okay, uh, the Spring League, which nobody even knew had been in existence until Johnny Manziel played for him last yeah, year. Yeah, I'd never heard before. of him. Uh, they are still out there, and they had three games this past uh, weekend at Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas. In game one, it was the Las Vegas Hughes over the TSL North team, 14-7, to um, TSL meaning the Spring League. But, yeah, I don't know where they came up with this uh, team name, the the Las Vegas Hughes, but uh, the logo on their helmet is Howard Hughes as an aviator with, uh, you know, the goggles and the, Big long the, scarf. the flying scarf in the wind. Yeah, so I don't know if Hughes Aircraft is sponsoring that particular team or what, but um, they have a North team, they have an East team, and they have this Las Vegas Hughes team. So, anyway, in the first game, it was Las Vegas Hughes over the TSL North 14 to 7. In game 2, it was the TSL North over the TSL East 14 to 7. And in game 3, it was the Las Vegas Hughes over the TSL East team 3 to nothing. And I think the way I read this, it was kind of confusing, but I think they they were just scrimmaging each other and they were like doing three quarters and that was the entire game was only three quarters long. So then they got another game. So they played three games in one afternoon. A little weird. But the other weird fact is uh, there were no fans at Sam Boyd Stadium to even watch this thing because of coronavirus fears. Mm. So, yeah, that's it. That's all we got for scores this week. Uh, more than I thought we would have. But, yeah. Uh, um, Starting to yep. ramp back up with the scores. Yep. So we'll move on to some NFL news. Uh, we both got a kick out of this one. The L.A. Rams, uh, I don't know if they leaked it or if somebody else leaked it, but – uh, a new logo for the L.A. Rams, and uh, what do you think of it, son? It looks like uh, they thought they were making a new Chargers logo, and they were like, oh, crap, this was supposed to be for the Rams. Yeah. it. I'm not impressed with it. No, uh, it was, absolutely the, the, So the leak was uh, somebody had gotten a hold of the, one of the draft hats earlier, supposedly, and mm-hmm. as, as of right now, it has been confirmed that is an official hat that was found. It, to me, it almost looked like it could have been Photoshopped a little bit. Mm-hmm. But because uh, I was like, well, that's a really bright blue on the outside of the logo. But with the theme of it being in Las Vegas this year, all the draft hats kind of have a, a weird glow, like uh, neon signish look to them. Mm. Uh, so I wasn't sure about it at first, but apparently it is real. I even saw the side of the hat uh, with the slogan on it that said, that said time to shine for the Rams. <laughs> so. I don't know. I don't really like it. I know a Rams fan. He's not too happy with it. And boy, are all the the memes that have come out. Yeah, using everybody this logo. on social media is just panning this this look or this logo. It's, it's terrible. It, I mean, you've got a historic did, team. I think even Why one are you of messing the, with it. I think even one of the well, I mean, go back to the classic yellow colors. Yes. But like, why do you need to come up with a whole fresh new L.A. logo? Like. It was fine the way it was. It just maybe tweak the colors. That's all you need to do. Every time a team gets a new owner or they move into a new stadium or something like that, they feel that they have to change things up because you know, oh, it's a you know, we've got a new sheriff in town. We've got to do something different. When the Lions moved into the uh, Ford Field, they they tweaked the logo the year after that. So I I don't like it. Just leave things alone. Well, I don't. It's know. all I... marketing. Yeah, we got to sell new hats this year. We got to sell new jerseys. We got to sell new everything. Uh, I hate it. Just I know, leave some, it alone. some change is good, and it does take t- some time to get used to. Maybe this is something we'll get used to. But like, I'm looking right behind you at your helmet shelf, and I can see, you know, multiple Grand Rapids Rampage helmets. You know, kind of seeing their progression, and I see multiple Detroit Lions helmets, and the progression the Lions have gone through over the years. Those and, were all minor. I know, mean, the it, Rampage. It was just a, a helmet true, change. True, the logo did not true, change. True. Uh, looking at the Lions, theirs were minor tweaks too, and you weren't sure about it at first, but it grew on you. Uh, yeah, I, I was like fine it with it at first uh, from the get-go. But, I mean, for me, it's – and I think a player pointed this out on Twitter. A whole board of people had to approve this <laughs> logo. This could just be a secondary logo, maybe not like the official, uh, like, 
like the Ram head's been the official Ram mm-hmm. logo. This could or could not be that hard to say at this time. Like, but uh, it's on a draft hat, so it's got to be a big deal. But the fact that somebody approved, like a board of people for the Rams yeah. approved this logo and everybody hates it means they. Uh, <laughs> They're not that smart. Like, yeah, this is definitely like I think fans aren't opposed to change. Like, oh, I like what you did with the logo. Like, transition. Like how the Lions went from just a a plain lion, kind of with no outline. Out like it was just an outline of a lion, and then they they finally gave updated it, it gave with it teeth some features and, an eye and, and yeah, kind of yeah. added some lines to add to the mane and you know maybe yeah. some claws and some teeth. Right. Just minor little things that, like, okay, I like what they did that. Like, look at the old Buffalo Bills logo. It was just the outline of a buffalo standing right, there. standing there. And then it, and then it progressed into the, the Bills logo with a streak behind it, which I really like. So right. I think if you're going to update your logo, it is about progression. Don't right. take steps back. Take steps forward. Right. And don't forget your past. Like, I feel like the new Lions logo really caters to the old logo that came before it. And... Uh, it just that's, occurred, that's the goal of logos. It just occurred to me that this LA logo, you know, it's kind of a round logo that's supposed to look like the horns, and with the word, the letters LA in the middle of it. Now that I think about it, it almost looks like a toilet bowl where the LA is being flushed down the toilet. Oh, that's gosh. that's the way the the swirls are going on the uh, on the reaching a little bit, but. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the the memes are great. Like one of my favorite ones was uh, the a Los Angeles Rams person saying, uh, "Hey, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, can we bar- uh, copy your homework?" And the Charger said, "Sure, just change it up a little bit so nobody notices." And it looks almost exactly like the yeah. Chargers logo. Yep. Uh, it's just utterly ridiculous. I've seen so many memes, you know, like uh, that compared it to the Internet Explorer logo. Uh, they had a picture of Donald Trump's hair in the wind with L.A. right behind it. Like, just so much. People on the Internet can be so creative. Why can't so we? Mean. Why can't we use these powers for good sometimes? Yeah, really. But it's still funny. And, man, I, I, I have a Rams friend, uh, co-worker, and he's not a fan of this logo. Yeah. And we'll see what the actual helmet looks like if it's the Ram horns oh, yeah. with that weird... Uh, divide between uh, I did see uh, something. I've seen some mock-ups yeah, uh, of people of thinking that's what they're going to go with, but we don't have an official look mm-hmm. at it yet. So maybe we have to wait till we see everything in the official presentation. This is a leak. Uh, I remember when the in 2009, before the Lions drafted Stafford and uh, you know they unveiled their new logo that we currently have, or the mm-hmm. tweaked logo, I remember seeing the leak of the logo on a uh, like a semi truck set. It was like team semi trucks toys or whatever. And that's how I saw the official lions logo, like a week or two in advance of the unveil. And I was like, I don't know if this is real or not. It turned out to be real. Well, years before they redid the lions logo, I, I bought a hat and it, it had the lions logo, you know, which had no features to it, but the way they stitched this thing, it, it had texture to it. So it, it had the texture of a lion mane and uh, different things like that. I still got it somewhere. But at that time, I thought, well, that's really weird. Why would they mess around with, you know, because that's not our logo. And several years later, it basically is what they came up with. So I, yeah. I don't know if they were testing it out. And maybe that's why they leaked this thing, because they weren't sure how the fans would react. Well, now they know yeah. nobody likes it. Yeah, I, I have not seen one positive thing about it at all yeah and i can't remember the last time i've seen a whole not fan base but a whole group of people just being like i mean everybody hates everything on the internet but Mm -hmm. i'm just saying like when we see new nfl logos sure some people be like "Eh, i don't know how about it there'll be some jokes but then people just kind of forget about it like when the browns kind of tweak their design and it is what it is it's not too yeah. bad, but I get where people would be mad. Every year they say, oh, we're coming, we were coming out with new uniforms. And you look at it, and it's like, this is exactly like last year's uniform. Oh, no, it's now it's got a little pinstripe here. And, yeah. you know, it's a, the, the, it's, the changes are so subtle sometimes, but they call it a new uniform or a new Or you logo. can be like the New York Jets where they, like, changed everything oh, from yeah. the cool white helmet yeah, back to the green helmet. And... Yeah, that was, that was another awful uh, switch. Yeah. But, but yeah, this oh, we I got don't know. that's unofficial still. We still got the Rams, the Browns, and the Falcons with new uniform unveils this season. So well, I'm sure they're scared to death now that uh, the Rams kind of leaked theirs out there. And now well, they're I don't like, think oh the my other God, teams are changing pe- their people logo. are going to hate everything we're doing. They're just changing their uniforms, yeah. but the Rams are the ones changing their logo. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see when we get official. Uh, 
Official word. Okay. Yeah, moving on, another NFL story. The, it's been announced that the Steelers and the Cowboys are going to be the two teams to play in this year's Pro Football Hall of Fame game, and that's going to be on a Thursday night, August 6th. And it kind of makes sense because you've got uh, Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cowher uh, going into the Hall of Fame with the, you know, uh, I, well, I guess they're with the Centennial class, aren't they? Um, yeah, they're with the Centennial yeah. class. But, but they, yeah, they're, they're going to be Hall of Famers. So, yeah, they always try to, to get a couple of teams that, that have somebody going into the Hall of Fame. So I guess this makes sense. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm still waiting for the Lions to go to, to the Canton I, game. When I'll, I'll actually go years. to that one. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not going to this one. Okay, uh, in uh, some XFL news, the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks are adding 5,000 more seats to their game on March 21st, which is the game we're going to be at. Uh, and at, when they first put out this story earlier this week, they said 5,000 seats. But now I keep hearing that they're they're opening up the entire upper section. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but... Uh, yeah, they're definitely adding more seats because uh, all the stadiums right now where they play XFL games, they're just selling tickets to the lower bowl, and that's you know. Well, that's hey, if, ticket, if if demand if the demand is there yeah, and yeah. St. Louis fans want to be there, good for them. You know, yeah. we, we've got our tickets in the lower bowl, and uh, it'd be nice to see that place if it were really really packed. Oh so, man, yeah, it would it'll be a heck be an of awesome, an atmosphere. Awesome for, atmosphere. Yep. I mean, it'd be yeah. quite the contrast from last year's experience at an AAF game, and then you go to an XFL game, and it's just kind yeah. of a 180. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I don't know how many were at that game that we were at, but it wasn't it seem like it wasn't lot. very full at all. Our, no. It was it was real easy to get tickets. We were like three rows uh, from the, the field. Bench, yeah, yeah, right behind the player bench. Yeah. Uh, another XFL story that came out was uh, they came out with their attendance so far uh, for the the first five weeks of the season. And it says that the league has drawn 362,515 total fans uh, in their first five weeks. And that's an average of 72,503 fans per week or uh, uh, 18,126 fans per game. Now, St. Louis uh, leads the entire league with a total of 57,081 fans uh, to their home games um, in, uh, in week three. The biggest single game was at St. Louis again. It was the Guardians at St. Louis, and they had uh, 29,553 fans. So uh, the attendance is there. You know, it, yep. they're not spectacular numbers, but... Uh, I think for a startup league... Yeah, um, that's pretty this good. Is, these are pretty solid numbers. And you, you see week one, uh, about 70,000 fans. Week two, 76,000 fans. Week three, uh, 82,000 oh, fans total. Yeah. Week four, around 70,000. Week five, uh, about 64,000. But that also, you got to start keeping into account, too, The like last this past week, it's only 64,000 compared to the 70,000. You add a, a St. Louis home game in there and one that we think is going to break a record, that attendance oh, yeah. is going to spike back up. Yep. So it'll be curious to see some of these, you know, and, and who had the home games that week to see kind of what crowds are drawn in. Right. And like you mentioned, Seattle has had the best average uh you know, total and or the best average of uh, attendance per game, and you know the to- total fans so far, followed by Seattle, uh, Houston, Dallas, DC, Tampa, New York, and then Los Angeles at the bottom. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, the lowest average is only thirteen thousand, which I still think is uh, bad. phenomenal for sure. a league of this. You know, the AAF would have yeah. killed for numbers like that at yeah. every one of their games. My God. So, so good for them, and we'll see. Uh, I'd like to see how this changes you know maybe we need to hold on to this and set it off to the side and compare yeah. the second half of the season yeah okay yeah i'll put it in my stack of stuff where i can't find anything i'm telling you we need that magical cork board just right <laughs> just right here on this wall within my arm's uh-huh. reach and we just stick it there then one of these days we'll be like hey you see that story there let's revisit that that's what i want i want adam's magical cork board Right here, maybe name pending. Uh, sponsorship <laughs> is available. Corkboard is also uh, needed to be purchased. Uh, but oh, we got wall space right here. I'm thinking, uh, what, what do you think this is? Like, uh, let's see, about four foot by three feet. I we got a, of space. So yeah, uh, just uh, my Twitter is at the <laughs> underscore Adam Snow. I think it's underscore. I forget what my Twitter handle is. Just uh, send a message to the show, and uh, I'll find it. I'm sure. All right, moving on to some college. I'll take news. any sponsorship. You know your Viagras, I'm your sure uh, you will. your Manscapes, uh, your uh, Clorox wipes. I don't care. 
Hey, could you see Adam's Clorox uh, whiteboard uh, <laughs> right back here? To... Was that whiteboard or whiteboard? Wipe, wipe the whiteboard. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's white once you wipe it down. Right, yeah. Okay. Or all Adam's right. Viagra board. I mean, it just keeps growing inside. All right, all right, all right. That's enough. We don't, we don't need any more of that. Going on to college, this, family show? college news. The Senior Bowl is moving to the new Hancock-Whitney Stadium on you the camp- it, not me. on the campus of South Alabama, which is in Mobile, Alabama. Since 1951, the game has been played across town at Ladd Peebles Stadium in Mobile, Alabama. So they're not really changing cities. It's still going to be in Mobile. It's just going to be at, at a different stadium in Mobile. Um, I guess they want to take, take advantage of the this you know brand new stadium. Wow. Um, so yeah, I guess probably better facilities for the guys they're trying to bring down. Sure, sure. Uh, let's see. Oklahoma is going to unveil a Baker Mayfield statue during this year's spring game. The statue is going to be unveiled inside the stadium so that all the fans can get a look at it, and then after that they're going to move it outside and place it with the other five statues that they have of Oklahoma players who have all won the Heisman Trophy. He's the sixth Heisman Trophy winner from Oklahoma, winning it in 2007. The others are Sam Bradford, Jason White, Billy Sims, Steve Owens, and Billy Vessels. They also have statues out there. And then you can't forget Kyler Murray, who won the Heisman Trophy in 2018. He's also going to get his own statue eventually, uh, possibly next year. Bang. So yeah, I, I, that that would be a cool thing to go visit. Go see all the Heisman Trophy statues there. Be, it's kind of like the um, uh, the cradle of coaches at wow. uh, Miami of Ohio. But uh, yeah, all those Heisman trophies from Oklahoma. Uh, also, uh, one other college story: the FBS attendance is down for the sixth year in a row, and it's at its lowest point since 1996. Hmm. Uh, they averaged uh, four. 41,477 per game last year. And I, I printed off a, a list from the article that I read about this. And it shows that um, out of the 11 FBS conferences, four of them actually had uh, slight increases. Uh, the Sun Belt had the biggest increase at a 5.5 uh, increase. And the MAC was up a little bit, but the, the MAC is still at the bottom with an average attendance of 15,530 per game. But then you've got the S. Those are XFL numbers, Mac. You got to boost them up. Yeah. Um, So uh, the SEC leads the FBS with uh, an average of 72,723 per game, and they're down a little bit from last year. Uh, Then the Big Ten is in second place with around 65,000 fans per game. Big 12, 57,000. The ACC is around 48,000. Pac 12 at 46,000. Uh, the few independent schools out there, they average 37,000 per and game. And then the rest of the field is just 30,000 yeah. or less. Yeah, so. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, interesting that the fan attendance is down. I guess it's it's all because of there's just too many places online that people can watch games. They That's can watch true. them on their computer. They can got all these you know cable services, and, and, and they're all on TV, it seems like. But I, I still enjoy going to the game myself. Yeah. Uh, here in Kalamazoo, I always look forward to, to seeing a team I've never seen before. Now, I've seen uh, Western Michigan play every team in the MAC conference. So I, I look at the games early in the year, and Colgate is actually coming to Kalamazoo this year. So I'm, The dentists? No. They're the Red Raiders. But uh, they're, uh, they're an F, FCS team, mm. and uh, they're coming here. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing them this year. Yeah, but I just I, – I guess – you make a good point again. The attend, you know, attendance being down in college football does surprise me. But yeah, with all these streaming services and people have different ways to access the football games, or maybe people are just or college kids are just not going to the games. Maybe that's a bulk of the problem. Is college students are like, why do I need to go to the game every week? I'd rather go. Or I got all these other options. Go to the bar and, and watch it. Well, with in, a, in the age of social media and the, the the technology that just keeps popping up every now and then. We have so much other stuff we could do. There's so many options out there. I think a lot of these kids are like, I have to, you know, well, some kids are like, well, I need to study. But then there's some <laughs> kids who are diehard sports fans. They'll go to every game no yeah. matter what. But I think for a bulk of people, it's why should I spend time, even though I'm not a football fan, going to this game for three or four hours. I mean, I'll go to the tailgate, have a, some hot dogs and some beer or whatever, then go about my day. But, like. I think a lot of people are like, my time is precious. Why? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I feel like there's people out there because there's so much stuff out there to, to stimulate, you know, your time that they're like, why would I want to sit in a place for three hours when I can go out and I got all these other options I could do or sit at home and watch this show on Netflix that just came on. 
they probably turn down a lot of the people that are at the tailgate because they're too drunk to let them into the stadium. Maybe. So they probably get turned away at the gate saying, uh, buddy, you better go back and uh, watch it at your uh, RV over there. Well, in the I, lot. I doubted it. Some of these, uh, <laughs> big schools because it's like now nah, get them in there we got to get the attendance up yeah i i was really surprised when i saw this article saying that the attendance was down because every time you watch a game on tv you know one of the big you know sec or big 10 games it always looks like the stadiums are packed so i was shocked really to hear that attendance is down this year and it's been down six, six years, years in a row, in a row? Yeah. yeah i think we talked about that last year how it was down and it still shocks me yeah Okay, well, luckily, we do not have any obituaries to report this week, but we do have a couple of birthdays today for March 10th. Curly Culp turned 74 today. He went to college at Arizona State. He played a nose tackle and defensive tackle. He spent 14 seasons in the NFL with the Chiefs, the Oilers, and the last two years with the Lions. He was on the team, uh, the Kansas City team that won Super Bowl IV. You remember Hank Stram and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2013. And the other one is uh, Rod Woodson. He turns 55 years old today. He went to college at Purdue. He played cornerback and kick returner. He had a 17-year career in the NFL between 1987 and 2003. He played with the Steelers, the 49ers, the Raiders, and the Ravens. And he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, Super Bowl 35. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2009. So... Happy birthday to Curly Culp, 74, and Rod Woodson, 55 years old today. All right, uh, moving on to this week's two-minute history lesson. This week we're going to tell the story of the Little Brown Jug, the trophy played for by Michigan and Minnesota. Now, is this really under two minutes this week? Or we uh, Shut up and play the roll the tape. Roll the tape. Um, everything's on digital now, old man. Yeah, whatever. Uh, and uh, apparently you don't even know how to tell time because it's not two minutes long. <laughs> Shut up and hit the button. There are many trophy games in college football. The objects that teams play for range from wagon wheels to cannons to hats to spittoons and even a bronze pig. But the oldest trophy at the football bowl subdivision level is the one that exists between the University of Michigan and the University of Minnesota, the Little Brown Jug. On October 31, 1903, Fielding Yost took his Michigan team to Minnesota to play for what was being called at the time the Championship of the West. Both teams were undefeated, and Yost was worried that Minnesota might try some shenanigans against his team. He told the team's student manager, Tommy Roberts, to purchase a water jug from a local store. That way, he would be able to ensure that no one would tamper with the team's water supply during the game. Roberts purchased a five-gallon Red Wing pottery jug for 30 cents. After a scoreless first half, Michigan had a 6 to nothing lead with only a few minutes to go in the game. Minnesota tied the game with two minutes remaining and the fans celebrated by rushing the field. There was so much confusion and chaos on the field that the game officials called the game at that point ending the contest and leaving the final score tied 6-6. to In the chaotic aftermath of the game, the jug was forgotten about and left behind on the sidelines by Michigan. Minnesota's equipment manager, Oscar Munson, found the jug the next day and informed the school's athletic director, L.J. Cook. The two men decided to decorate the jug with the final score of the game and keep it as a trophy. Of course, the number six representing Minnesota's score was much bigger than Michigan's number six. Cook kept the jug suspended from the ceiling in his office for the next six years until the two teams played again in 1909. Just prior to the game, Cook suggested to Yost that the two teams play for the jug and the tradition was born. On November 20, 1909, the two teams met again in Minnesota. This time, the jug was on Minnesota's sideline. Michigan won the game 15-6 and got their jug back. Over the years, the little brown jug has changed hands many times and has become an iconic symbol of one college football rivalry. It also paved the way for many other trophies to be embraced by schools and fought for, all in the name of school spirit. All right, and that was your not-so-two-minute history lesson. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was an interesting story. I mean, I've heard the story before, yeah, uh, but I heard, I, yeah. I heard a, a different variation where uh, I heard one story where uh, Fielding Yost, when he realized he'd left the the jug there, wrote a letter to the Minnesota coach or the athletic director and said, hey, I want my jug back. And the guy says, if you want it, you'll have to win it back from us. And I don't know if that's true. Right. I think that's just a story that was made up because who's who's going to write a letter uh, t- to get a 30-cent water jug back Hold on, 30 somebody. cents back in the day was a lot well, of yeah, money. Yeah, that, that was like 30 Three, cents today. $300? So. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, I don't really believe that. I, I think the, the story that I that I told here is We need more, more stuff like this, though. I know there's a lot of college rivalries like that, but I wish more, like, NFL teams or professional teams would do this. I think it would enhance. Like, I want the Lions, like, the Lions have a stupid trophy with the Browns for preseason games. Right. So we could throw that yeah. in the river. And the Great Lakes let Trophy. It sail on down. <laughs> But I'd rather see like the Lions. What are the, what kind of trophy would the Lions and Bears fight over twice every year? What would the Lions and Packers fight over twice every year? The a closest huge, thing, a huge paycheck. The closest thing we get to that is in the CFL with the Banjo Bowl. Oh yeah, well, and, the, well, yeah, they do have a Banjo Trophy, don't they? And they just started that up like within recent memory. But I would like to see NFL. Like, I guess it would be a little much for every rivalry to do it. But like right. maybe some of the big ones, like your your Packers Bears rivalry, sure, sure. or. Uh, I mean, who else could have like a, a Cowboys and I mean the Cowboys well, are pretty much any an in-state team. rivalry like maybe Jacksonville and Tampa or Tampa Miami or something like that. Even the Giant Giants and Jets, you know, I yeah. mean you're in the same like how often do they play? Yeah, so every, they, they they share a stadium, but the every four trophy years, would never leave the stadium. And it, yeah, <laughs> every four or five years, you know, they play each other in the regular season. So mm. oh yeah, you'll get this trophy back in five years when we play again. Yeah. But for Florida, that'd be tough because you got three teams down there, and that that's state. why college football is so much better because I they have they have more traditions. And I more do history. believe that the Texans and Cowboys had a trophy. I don't know if they did that during the preseason too, like the Lions did. But I think it was called the Governor might have been the Governor's Trophy or something. Man, look that up after this. Well, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not sure what you're. Oh, well, I'll about Google that. it and see if I can find it. What am I telling you to do it? Because <laughs> our crack research staff can't do it around here. I guess I got to. Well, do it. while you're doing that uh, and totally ignoring me, I'm going to move on to this week's upcoming events calendar. Week six in the XFL is coming up this Saturday, March 14th. You've got the undefeated Houston Roughnecks traveling to the New York Guardians, and they have a three and two record. That game's the early game on Saturday, and that's going to be on ABC. That should be a pretty good game. Uh, New York plays really well at home, and you've got undefeated Houston coming in there. That's going to be a good it game. It makes me nervous. I'm glad that that's the first game. We'll get it out of the way. That yeah. could be the best game of the weekend. Yep. Um, and then St. Louis uh, in the second game is going to Tampa Bay. Um, that game is going to be on FS2. And then on Sunday, March 15th, you've got Dallas at D.C. That game is the early game. It's going to be on FS1. And the nightcap is going to be L.A. at Seattle, and that game is going to be on ESPN2. Also, uh, March 14th, which is Saturday, the Champions Indoor Football season begins. And then March 27th and 28th, you've got the HBCU Combine in Miami. And March 28th and 29th, it's the NFL Regional Combine in Miami. And that is it for our, uh, in our upcoming events calendar. Guess what I found? It is called the Governor's Cup. The Texas Governor's Cup. Yep. Hmm. Uh the Texas Governor's Cup, also known as the Cowboys-Texans rivalry, or the Battle of Texas, formerly the Cowboys-Oilers rivalry, is the trophy awarded to the winner of the football game between the two National Football League teams in Texas, currently the Cowboys and Texans, prior to the Texans' inaugural season in 2000. I'm just reading this straight from Wikipedia at this point. Oh, yeah, that's a reliable source. The Cowboys' opponent was the Houston Oilers, now the Titans. Uh, in 91, after 13 straight games at the Cowboys' Texas Stadium, the Cowboys and Oilers went to a home-and-away format for the preseason, and the format more or less continues to this day for the games between Cowboys and Texans. Hmm. Since the very first oh, meeting God, between he's the still reading, I know last paragraph, I promise, <laughs> and we'll move on. Uh, since the very first meeting between the Cowboys and Texans in 2002, the teams have met in the regular season every fourth year and met relatively often by NFL standards in the preseason from 2002 uh, until 2008, and again since. 2013, the Cowboys and Texans have been scheduled to play each other in the preseason whenever they are not scheduled to meet in the regular season. In 2010, the teams played both a preseason and regular season game, while in 2009 and 11 and 12, they did not meet at all. So, yeah, pretty much just, uh... (laughs) man, the phone keeps ringing. You're very popular today. Yeah, I forgot to shut that off again. 
Normally nobody calls us. Crack research staff. Yeah, that's probably something saying shut up and quit reading Wikipedia crap. I just, and I just think that's interesting. That yeah, I don't remember the, that. I do remember them having a trophy and the, they got a list of all the, hmm. the games here. Yeah, I, of course I know about the the Browns Lions preseason trophy, but I was not aware of that one. And it was only canceled one year due to Hurricane Harvey in 2017. Hmm. Uh, so, hey, interesting bit of uh, football trivia there <laughs> that I'm glad I knew that you didn't. So Okay, cool. All right, uh, anything pop up on your phone while we've been talking? Uh, any late breaking news? Any more uh, leaked logos or anything like that? Uh, nothing that I can see um, that's football related at least. Okay. All right, well, we'll uh, let's wrap this up then. That's all the time we got for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, videos, and more. Our email address is, email, is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like the World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo, where we post a lot of unique stories, pictures, and highlights from all over the world of football. You can also follow us on Twitter. The address there is at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Tuesday and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Uh, did I say Spotify? You missed Spotify. All right, and Spotify. So please subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you think. Those reviews would come in handy for us. <laughs> let us know what you think, and please come be a part of the football conversation as I watch a uh, d- dance battle from uh, the Houston Roughnecks game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're going to make comments, please don't pick one side or the other. Just let us know uh, general comments because uh, I sure would hate everybody to uh, side, side with Adam, side with me, and uh, let you know that you are wrong once again. No, I, I welcome the uh, criticism. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> All right. All right. And remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do, but nobody loves more football than we do. Join us again next week when we'll review all the happenings in the world of football. Until then, I'm Randy Snow. And I'm Ron Burgundy. We'll see you next week.